you know, it's just such a negative attitude to have and your body is supposed to carry your heart and your legs. And if you're able to, you know, get up in the morning and walk, you've already made it. Start appreciating what you have and don't criticize what you have been given. Welcome to Let's Thrive, a lifestyle podcast where you can find the tools and inspiration necessary to thrive on life. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and tune in every Thursday to hear the candid conversations I have with guests who are just like you and me, trying to figure out this crazy world we live in. Enough said, it's time to thrive. Hello, and welcome back to episode 8 of Let's Thrive. I'm your host, Emily, and I'm so excited to be talking with you today, and it's currently snowing. Just yesterday, it was sunny and bright out, and I really don't know where that went, but I'm missing it, and I'm very excited for spring to come. (laughs) As for a life update, not much has changed since I did my last podcast intro, so this will be short. I'm still doing personal training with my cousin, and I absolutely love that because it helps me feel strong and get me out of that like cardio all the time mindset. And then I'm also planning a couple little trips. One of them is in May to Texas with a good friend of mine that I met on Instagram and then met in real life in California. And I'm so excited because we're going to Austin and then Dallas to meet up with some other friends of ours. And it's going to be a real good time with lots of good food, not a moo ice cream, and I'm just so so excited for it. Besides that, not much has changed. I started reading a couple new books that I think I might do a review of pretty soon because they're just so insightful. I absolutely love them. And then I guess we'll just jump into today's guest. Her name is Emma and she is a dear friend of mine. She is The Naked Kitchen on Instagram and that is her blog. It's interesting how we met. Actually, I had just started my whole account And I obviously was not real big. (laughs) And obviously, I wasn't real well-known or I didn't have much to offer. But I asked her if she would ever do an interview with me. Just, you know, a typed one. And she graciously said yes. And she lives by the philosophy that everyone deserves attention and time. And so even as a little quote-unquote nobody on Instagram, asking for her you know, time to do the interview, she graciously accepted. And from that day, I knew she is an amazing person. (laughs) And I've got to, I've got to stay in touch. And so we have. So of course, when I started the podcast, I knew I had to have her on. So I asked her and she once more replied yes with so much enthusiasm. I loved it. And we hopped on a call just to go over things. And then we did the podcast. And It is one of my favorite ones because it is so conversational and we cover so many topics. Like, I'm just absolutely in love with it. And in that, we cover how she got into the kitchen and developed such a love for cooking and baking and just creating, you know, just comfort and art and a relationship around the kitchen and the food you make in it. We also talk sustainable fashion and the impact it has on us as humans and on the earth. She gives suggestions and brands and how to start integrating it into the day-to-day life. And we're both advocates for sustainable fashion, but we also both understand that it's not the right pick for everybody. And so it's just a very insightful conversation without being in your face about it. We also 
touch on actually both of our past struggles with body image and disordered eating and how reconnecting with our love for food and the kitchen and just life in general has really helped us overcome it. And I think that's important, you know, for anyone who has struggled with this in the past or currently or I don't know. It's an interesting insight into both of our lives. And we also go over her passion for charity and living life with passion and purpose. And I fully agree with her philosophy on this and we share some sweet stories of our grandparents and how we really got this idea for charity and living with a purpose in into our mindset and then of course during this we talk about all the food and she mentions how in high school she and her best friend did like a little superfood cereal that they created for an entrepreneur project and lo and behold a week after we recorded this she released the launch of her own granola brand called Naked Nola and I was so proud when I saw her post and it just gave me chills because we talk about like following your own path and pursuing your dreams and that is what she's doing it's just it's amazing and you can find her on Instagram at the naked kitchen it's the and then n a k d kitchen and I'll link it below and she has her blog that is so beautiful her feed is just the epitome of like cozy and warm and aesthetically pleasing like you could just go and look and scroll back it's beautiful and I'll close it up there because I've been rambling for a while and the cats are getting hungry and starting to annoy me (laughs) as I record this so I'm going to go and get ready for training as well but enjoy this episode I know you'll love it (laughs) because I absolutely did and like I said this is this is a good one so without further ado here is the phenomenal Emma before we begin I always like to ask what is one thing that has made you smile today Coming home to already prepared me- like food that I made last night <laughs> makes my day so much easier. Definitely, especially when you come home hungry and it's just like you open up the fridge and you're like, what can I make <laughs> to eat right now? And it's already there. It's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No better feeling. Okay. So can you take us back a bit and just give a little insight into who you are? It doesn't have to be, you know, like whole biography, but just anyone who doesn't know who you are, if you could just share a bit about yourself. Okay, so I grew up um, riding horses from the age of four, and then I still have horses to this day. Went through elementary, junior high, high school. I never really felt like I fitted in in high school, and then Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do either, but I started to find my love for cooking when I was in my last year of high school. Um, I did this like little home economics course and we'd have like a cooking contest at the end of the year. My friend and I won the first round and then, um, we had a second round. We didn't win, but (laughs) that was okay. Um, but I still wanted to go to culinary school when I was in my last year of, high school, but I was like, I don't know if people will take me seriously if I'm going to do that. So I went in and followed the crowd and kind of went to business school right out of high school. I did two years of business school and then I didn't really like it in my first year. So I decided to apply to law school in England. I got in and then I realized um, I was kind of just trying to see if I could get in and I didn't end up going because I was just like, "Eh, that's not really for me. Um, After that, 
in my second year of university, I really started to not like where I was at that point in my life. And I decided to make the big leap in my, what would have been my third year of university and take the year off to kind of discover um, myself. And I'm currently working at a spin studio and doing my blog and all of that fun stuff. So that's like me in a nutshell. I love that. And can you share with us where you live? I just, I think it's so unique and special. Yeah, for sure. So I live on the most Eastern point of Canada in a city called St. John's, Newfoundland. So Newfoundland's a province. Um, I know a lot of people don't know where that is and that's completely cool because um, <laughs> a lot of bloggers are like in LA or New York, right? So I always yeah. love your your stories and everything about it just seems so cozy there. It's It's like an ideal little place for me. <laughs> for sure. If you're an outdoorsy person, it's definitely the place for you, like lots of hiking trails and stuff like that. Okay. So during your high school years is when you got into cooking. And at this time, did you have a focus on, now we won't, this isn't like a health and wellness like topic that we're going to cover here, but like, did you find yourself getting pulled into the health direction when you first came into the kitchen or were you just like the basics of cooking and baking? Um, I think it was more the health direction because when I started to think of food and how it's made, I just wanted to cook with minimal ingredients. And I think if you just um, use ingredients from the earth, you need less of them if they're high quality. And so I think naturally I kind of slipped into the healthier um, kind of food um, cuisine, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And um, I was talking to you the other day about how I started like a superfood oatmeal company, like with my friend in the 11th grade, it was just for like a high school product, but that kind of, I guess, triggered my interest in the whole health and wellness world. That's so neat. I, I wish I had done that when I, <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely in like, I'd say the 11th grade was one. I'll start to get interested in health and wellness because I never really was. I was like a person in high school that would like sit out in like the gym classes and didn't want to play the sport. <laughs> and like probably still to this day because I don't really have time for sports, but yeah. <laughs> no, honestly. Do you remember like your first big screw up in the kitchen where you thought like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Oh my gosh, there's been so many. Like... <laughs> I actually genuinely feel bad for my family and my friends. Like when I first started out, I was probably just like throwing all this stuff together and being like, all right, like, let's try this out today. And they'd be like, this is so good. And I could tell like on the inside, they were hating their lives that they were in this position and that they had to try my food. My mom was like, yeah, like we probably threw out more like really bad cooking experiments than like consumed. <laughs> So was the rest of your family like present in the kitchen at all? Did you have that while growing up? Um, not really, actually. So I'd say I started making my like lunches when I was in the fourth grade because my mom was like a single working mom and we um, didn't really have that like mom to come home to and she would be like cook baking cookies while we were at school or whatnot. And I just, yeah, literally started making my own lunches and packing them in the fourth grade. And my mom would just like come home from work at five o'clock. And then she'd probably make us like sometimes scrambled eggs and like toast. And we'd have like breakfast for dinner a lot and just like quick meals, I guess. And like, 
growing up in from the 90s like it was such the processed food movement so definitely like more boxed food than I've ever like consumed now (laughs) Um, and like you know the frozen dinners and stuff like that were more common back then even though we didn't eat those that often but like if my mom was, you know, busy at work, she would come home. And like the last thing you really want to do is like sit down and like stand in the kitchen, sorry, and for hours and then have to clean up and then go to bed. So no one really in my family cooks. And that's the funny thing. Like they hate it. Yeah, I feel that. And I think that's almost like what sets us up to be so active in the kitchen because my dad was like a single parent, you know, working a full day. So I started the same way as you and I think it was fifth grade. I started packing like our own lunches and I, looking back now, I'm, I just laugh because <laughs> the things I would pack were so like outrageous, you know? And then like, same thing, like my dad would come home and we'd have like the frozen haddock fillets and, you know, like mac and cheese and he was trying his best, but it definitely propelled me to once I did start like getting active in the kitchen, I was like, no more of this. Like we're, we're going to eat good. Yeah, exactly. And like, even to this day, I used to like cook dinner for my mom and my sister, because if I have like downtime, I can do that and just have it prepared when they come home rather than, you know, not have anything or have something that like they don't actually really want, but it's quick. So. Yeah. Okay. And so like you said earlier, we talked the other day and one aspect you brought up that I really liked was the idea of using like cooking and baking and the art of kitchen as almost like a form of expression or a form of creativity or artwork. And I'm just curious, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Like I always say there's times where I'm just cooking, where I'm just cooking <laughs> to get it done, to get like food on the table and I'm not putting thought into it. And then there's times where I just go in with like a specific idea or a purpose and, you know, I'm, I like whip something amazing up and everybody loves it. And I truly feel like that's like the art, art side of cooking. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. So there's definitely times that I come home and I'm like, I'm so hungry. The last thing I want to do is clean a million dishes after I eat. So I sometimes just throw on like frozen vegetables, brown rice and like, beans and make it like a stir fry type thing. Um, but I think when you have that like time in your day, um, maybe it's like a couple times a week that you can really stand in the kitchen and think about like different ingredients and how they go together. Um, that's when I think it's more of an art form rather than just like, as my mom says, like filling the hole, like, cause that's how she sees food. So Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And you have a very impressive collection of cookbooks. So I love the story, but when and how did this collection begin to make an impression in your life? Yeah. So I think I had like, we had cookbooks always in my house um, growing up and my aunt would like religiously use cookbooks. And honestly, out of like all my family members, um, my aunt was probably like the most influential when it came to cooking when I was growing up um, and she would always use cookbooks. So, and we had like some of the ones that she would hand down to us in our house. And then when I started getting more into the cooking scene, people would just start like gifting them to me for Christmas. My mom would get them for me. And now currently I have like a partnership with um, Clarkson Potter 
and like Penguin Random House. So like they're connected. So they, you know, send me cookbooks because they just know how much I love them. <laughs> so it's pretty ideal. And I have like one, like one too many for sure. I love that. And talk about, that's a good partnership. That's like a best Christmas gift that you could keep receiving. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. They're like, pick some out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm always caught between, well, we were saying this the other day, like I want to get cookbooks, but then at the same time I like just know I can look things up online, but there's something so special about having the book in hand and like flipping through the pages. And I always have like a million pieces of scrap paper that I bookmark things with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think like even when I cook from a cookbook, I don't follow the recipe like 100%. I kind of use what I have on hand. So that's like the same thing with the recipes that I create. I always tell people like, if you don't have this, you can always substitute it with this and get creative with it because you can make it your own, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I have a lot of cookbooks, but I don't actually cook from them a lot. So Another important aspect of the kitchen and cooking and everything is the waste and how to protect our earth while also reducing that food waste that is so abundant. And I love how it seems like the past while you've just really like you've shared more about it on your Instagram and I know it inspired me and it's inspired others. So could you just share a bit about maybe like when this started for you or how you kind of got into the mindset of, I really want to be conscious of the waste I'm creating in the kitchen. Yeah. So I'm definitely not like 100% waste free. Like I'm sure there's things that like are at the bottom of a pan or something that I have in the fridge or like the bottom of a Tupperware container that like goes off. But, um, I think what I try and do and literally use what you have on hand, if you notice something's about to go off, just start using it for myself. I'll have like lots of greens in the fridge and I'll just be like, okay, I'll make a huge salad and I can throw that together and put it out in my fridge and then have it throughout the week rather than just like seeing it sit in the fridge and then not doing anything with it. And then it's like gone past the time that you can't use it anymore. And then the same thing, like you can use bananas, like when bananas go bad, either like freeze them for smoothies or make banana bread or muffins with them. So it's really just using what you have on hand and that's also going to save you money rather than just like going out and purchasing produce every few days and then letting it rot in the fridge right but yeah if I have like leftover grains or anything that I made for um, a burrito bowl I'll you know put it in a soup or put it in a salad there's so much like creativity that you can also get from you know trying to reduce your waste in the kitchen yeah and that that feeds the creative fire I think because but then I've really started in recent weeks to look at what I already have and then make myself get creative and try new flavor combinations. And sometimes it works and then sometimes it doesn't and that's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I really feel like that feeds that creative fire and just forces me to like step outside my comfort zone in the kitchen. For sure. And like trying to use seasonal ingredients is something I'm trying to become more aware of. I mean, avocados will never be in season. Yeah. <laughs> people think like Canada is the Arctic and I'm like, eh, no, but uh, they'll never be in season and I'm still going to continue to enjoy my avocados. Um, but you know, like for here, like we're so abundant in root vegetables. So, um, things like parsnips and potatoes and just like 
beetroots, stuff like that, you can get so much cheaper than you're going to pick up like a mango or something um, in the grocery store. So that's definitely something I'm trying to get more into is just cooking seasonally. I mean, it's hard to do because I mean, there's, it's snowing, you know, <laughs> it's not really growing this time of the year, but yeah, in the summer and then the spring, um, I try to go to the farmer's market a lot and see what they have. And we create a dialogue with the farmers. They are so passionate about what they do and it just makes you more inspired, I think, to use those ingredients. Yeah. And then, that also is helping the environment because one thing that really got me into more like local and seasonal produce was the fact that I forget where I read it, but it was saying how I'd get this fruit or these vegetables in the store and I wouldn't even really pay attention to where it was from. But it's like, okay, if it's from Chile, how much for the transportation to get it here? Like how much is that affecting the earth when like I could just opt for the local produce instead of going out of season and so like when you do shop farmer's market or local or seasonal it's it's better for the environment too yeah and the workers and the local people around you yeah for sure and like you're benefiting the farmers you're benefiting the economy I think the farmer's market is like one of the greatest things you can go to on a Saturday um but in the winter it's not as much fun because it's crazy (laughs) and like they're not outside (laughs) so true okay so outside of the kitchen you also have found your way into sustainable fashion and for anyone that's new to this idea could you just break it up into basic terms of what sustainable fashion even is because I know I I personally have talked with people who who don't even know this is a thing so (laughs) could you just like break it down and explain what the basis is behind sustainable fashion Yeah, so there's been this more movement, um, I'd say in the last like five years, for conscious consumerism. Um, I think so many of us, we just go out and we see like a shirt for $8 and we're like, this is amazing. I can add this to my wardrobe along with 15 others of like something similar. So I can switch up my outfits every day. But what a lot of people don't know is this is called fashion. So the clothing is being made at such like high levels um, that the companies and the factories are being forced to produce things at a much higher quantity and for a cheaper price. So say if one company is starting to sell their shirt for like $3 and then the other company is in competition with that company. So they go to the factory owners and say, I have to produce this shirt for $2. You have to find a way to make this work. So the factory owners feel this pressure to make that work. So they have to cut corners for their employees. Um, A lot of people don't realize that the people who are making our clothes um, in these fast fashion brands are literally not even allowed to get up to use the washroom. And like they literally have diapers for these workers. It's so incredibly sad. And I remember a few years ago, um, five years ago in Bangladesh, they had um, an incident where a factory collapsed and almost all of the um, employees in the factory unfortunately passed away. Um, but with this new vision of fashion called slow fashion or sustainable fashion, um, they're really getting back to producing the clothes slower and it's going to be higher quality at the end of the day. They're trying to use more organic cotton, um, organic fabrics, 
And some companies have been doing cool things like taking dead stock fabrics that would just have been thrown away and making them into beautiful dresses and shirts and um, upcycling those materials. But sustainable fashion, something that is definitely not spoken about enough, I think, yet. But like some amazing brands that are definitely inspiring this new wave of change and I'll mention them here because I think they're doing incredible things. There's like Reformation, Eileen Fisher. Um, her stuff is more on the pricier side, but it, it is like incredible quality. She supports women around the globe. She's done amazing things. And then there's Everlane, which is one of my favorites. Um, and where else? I always wear girlfriend collective leggings. So they use post-consumer used plastic bottles in their leggings and their sports bras. So I definitely recommend anyone to check them out. And they're incredibly soft and probably the most comfortable sports apparel that I have. That's my little spiel on it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was perfect. And going back to the people and the work side of it, I was actually going to mention, uh, I remember seeing the footage of the Bangladesh uh, collapse and that was horrifying. (laughs) Like Exactly. And so many people don't even realize that it takes like, I read it the other day, it takes 18,000 gallons of water to produce like one pair of jeans mm-hmm. like that's in- insane and it's so much clothes just gets thrown out instead of you know trying to just celebrate the pieces you have or donating them to a friend so that's also another thing side of sustainable fashion yeah and so with the workers too yeah they're getting underpaid they're in horrible working conditions i mean i'm pretty sure these places aren't regulated i don't know like i know like we as americans love <laughs> good deals and we love saving money but you have to understand that a shirt is not meant to be three (laughs) dollars like if it's if it's made with like intention and actual basic human rights involved it's not going to be that and our society is just so fascinated with with more you know what i mean like we always want more so if we can have five shirts for the price of one sustainably made one then like of course everyone is going to go with the five shirts but when it comes down to it, you just have to think of where your like standards and morals lie. Do you want to support this business or do you want to support human rights and the environment? And what you were saying with the amount of water is then also, I don't know, I might be getting this wrong too, but in conventional clothing, there's so many toxins involved. And so when they're using that water to create the products, the runoff is like toxic, is it not? And like, you know, full of all kinds of crap that the earth does not need to be having. Yeah, for sure. So I was actually going to touch on that. So like, when you think of it, like our clothes is our second skin, right? We're putting these harmful chemicals and dyes and stuff on our body and wearing them all day long. So that obviously has to be doing something to us rather than using, you know, organic cotton and organic dyes. And that's definitely something I don't know a whole amount on that. But you kind of have to wonder, like, what are they making this with if it's this cheap? No, yeah, exactly. And yeah, it just comes down at the end of the day to do you do you really need those five shirts or can you get by with one? And like you said before, the quality is so much better. <laughs> like I have a couple pieces of sustainable fashion that I've invested in in the last few years and they, they last forever. I mean, I wash them all the time and the quality truly is better. And I have very sensitive skin too. I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes it's just like the conventional clothing. I I can't wear it. Like I have sports bras and shirts I can't wear anymore because they just like 
they make me itch like constantly. And I've never had that with my sustainable pieces. I mean, I don't know if it's coincidence, but <laughs> no, for sure. Cause I'm, I'm positive that they're using like better natural dyes in their clothing because they care about their consumers. I think that's so important, you know, not just being like, we want you to buy all this stuff to benefit our company. Like, no, they want to help consumers. And that's inspiring in itself just to make you want to like support these companies. So you mentioned this the other day to me, and I don't know much about this, but you said the B Corp organizations. And from what I know, it's just, it's like a higher standard of business. So could you explain this as much as, as much as possible? Yeah. So a few brands are B Corp certified, such as like Patagonia. Um, They're really great to their employees and their products are ethically and sustainably made. Um, I believe like the method cleaners along with Eileen Fisher, who is a fashion designer. um, She's B Corp certified. So essentially B Corp companies um, have to give back to a greater cause than just profit. And they have to be ethical, sustainable, and practical. So I'm sure there's like a huge list of things that they have to go through in order to get certified, but you'll see like this little B and then a circle around it on the back of a product if um, they are B certified. Have you always been into sustainable fashion or was this something that just kind of came up in recent years? Yeah, definitely not into sustainable fashion for like the longest period of my life. Probably like in the last year I've start to question the fashion industry. And I really recommend the documentary called The True Cost on Netflix. But I guess what kind of sparked my interest in it was my mom was always super into sustainable fashion. Um, I would go in like, we'd go on trips to New York City and I'd sit in the Eileen Fisher store in Soho for probably like two to three hours. But I was the girl who literally wanted like all of the cheap, fast fashion brands and I won't mention them here but I think when you're going through high school you don't want to be an outfit repeater and you're like I need to have all this clothes and in order for people to like me and well I think so many people go through that they want people to notice them whether or not we think that way at the time (laughs) but looking back on it you know you're like I have to be super fashionable. And I was like so into high fashion too, like in high school, which is insane for me. Like I wanted to wear like Chanel and like Burberry and I'm not like, I was so into fashion. I actually wanted to go um, to the fashion Institute of technology along with like culinary. I was between the two, never pursued either one of them. But I actually wanted to do fashion merchandising uh, for a few times. Like I would have these thoughts of doing fashion merchandising when I was in my high school career and, didn't go full circle, that's for sure. But like, I was always wearing a different outfit. Like, I literally got an award for it in high school. I don't even know how. It was like best dressed Emma Hislop, and I'm just like, don't know how, but I was really into it. Well, it's another creative art form. I feel express ourselves. Yeah, and I know I because I was the outfit repeater. I had like four shirts that I loved, so I would just like wear them all the time. But I try to like dress them differently. But I definitely had friends who who did have like a different outfit every day or it seemed that way, you know, like they probably were just good at organizing their closet. I don't know. But it sounds like you were a very creative child. <laughs> I mean, in teen between the cooking and the fashion. Was that like another aspect of your life? Were you creative in any other ways? Um, not really. Like I always felt really creative in high school and 
older than everyone else. I don't know if you felt that way too. Like I just mm-hmm. felt like I never fit in anywhere. Like I went to university and I, same thing, like never felt like I fit it in anywhere. Um, just because I'd have these crazy ideas and people just didn't like understand them or something. They would just always be like, what, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, I, I don't see that as a possibility. But I like to think of myself as somewhat creative. And when you are a creative person, I don't know, you just connect with people differently and you don't really feel like you fit in anywhere. And not to be like, I'm higher than everyone, but you just don't, you just don't click with people or something. I don't know how to, I don't know how to make sense of it. I just didn't have like a massive circle of friends in high school. I had like one or two friends and like every Friday night, it was just like me, my dogs, Netflix and like baking cookies, you know, um, because I didn't want to go to like parties or anything like that. I just like, I literally study on a Friday night, you know? No, and this is why we're friends because (laughs) we're the same person. I was explaining to my friend about today's interview and I didn't know how to describe you because we can touch on this later, but you know, like you don't box yourself in, in any categories really. And I was like, she's just like a better version of me in Canadian. That's all I can say. (laughs) But no, no, definitely not. No, but yeah. And I definitely agree with like the feeling like you were grown up early. I mean, I don't know, for me, that came for the second half of my life being with like a single parent, because, you know, like you said, you'd come home and like, you'd pack your own lunch and you cook dinner and you have to become your own little mini parent for, for sure. when your actual parent, you know, is like too busy and they need to take care of themselves. And we both have another sibling and we both have animals. And so I think that's definitely where it comes from. And I was, I was definitely a loner in high school and same as you, like I'd get these crazy ideas and people would like nod their head, but I could tell <laughs> by the way they were acting that they were like, okay, yep, you do that. <laughs> Yeah. I'll see where you get with it. And I mean, I don't know. It's made us into who we are. So <laughs> Exactly. And like, yeah, you just think differently or something. And I think they say that like the first four to six years of your life really shape you as an individual, which is so weird, like to mm-hmm. think that way. But I agree with it because like growing up with a single parent, like my mom couldn't do all the things that other parents could do. She couldn't go to like every I, oh yeah I forgot to mention I was like a competitive gymnast gymnast sorry till I was like 13 14 so like my mom couldn't go to every single practice she couldn't do those things that other parents could do but it forces you to grow up at a younger age and really appreciate hard work because like my mom is truly my inspiration and she works incredibly hard she literally hit a low rock bottom point of her life when I was really young and decided to pick herself up and do a master's degree when my sister and I were like infants and living by herself in a different province. Like we lived in Ontario and then she clued that up and we moved back to um, Newfoundland and she started her own business up and now she has like three businesses, but she's a massive inspiration to me and really showed me like what hard work is and just to get a job done. So Whenever I hear of the single mothers or any mother going back to school when they have kids already, I just have to give like a round of applause because that is crazy. I have a cousin who did that and watching her throughout the years, I was just so proud of her. And yeah, it truly does show you just what you can do if you're determined to do it. For sure. Yeah. I remember she was like, we were talking about like probably a couple of weeks ago and she's like, yeah, like 
I think I got like three hours of sleep because like I put you to sleep and then I would stay up to like 2 a.m. studying, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's just crazy. I'm like, how did you do that? And she's like, you're just in like fight mode. (laughs) Like there's, you can't really look back at anything. You're just like chugging forward, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. So during this time, if you're if you're up to talk about it, but during this time, when did you start to develop body image issues? And how did this kind of maybe change your outlook on life or your love for the kitchen? Yeah. So in junior high, and I don't really talk about this very often, but I was friends with this girl who was bullied incredibly bad. And I never knew how picky people could be about other people's body. So just like hearing those remarks that I had never been exposed to. So I think when you like hear other girls in middle school or junior high, as we call it here, um, criticize their bodies and other people's bodies, you start to look at yourself and you're like, okay, so what's wrong with me as well? You know, are they going to start picking on me? And that's really when I started to like have these issues with myself, like, because like the whole, like, it's so dumb now looking back on it, but the whole theme of like having a thigh gap was like desirable. Um, like what even is that, you know? Uh, And that's really when it was like a turning point for me. And cause I just never was exposed to that body, like negative body talk growing up. Um, because I was a gymnast, like we were told to be like strong and, you know, like it wasn't skinny. It was like, be strong. So getting into, um, yeah, junior high, it really changed my perspective on everything. And then I think I carried it with me through high school and I really cared what people thought about me. Like I literally was the shyest person in junior high and high school because I think I was always had my guard up. I, I I was always afraid someone was going to like pick on me. Like I always felt kind of intimidated by people I would say but then when I was in high school yeah I like started to get more into like exercise and stuff so I'd like run more often but then I got into like the fitness accounts on like Instagram and stuff so it was like the energy bars for like breakfast and blah 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 and also it's just like so many people don't know how impactful their words are so like if I bring a big lunch or something because like I like to eat okay (laughs) like I have my whole entire life Um, But if I brought, like, a big lunch, someone would be like, oh, like, if you pulled out a bar or something, they'd be like, oh, I have that for my breakfast. Like, are you going to eat all that, you know? I'm just like, okay, like, (laughs) you know? Um, So then you start to wonder, like, you're like, well, I'm not eating healthy. Like, I'm going to, you know, gain weight. And what's wrong with gaining weight even if you do, right? Um, So I carried that, like, attitude, I guess, up through high school for a really long time and just, like, always kind of, like, comparing my body to other people's and always feeling like inadequate to other girls. When I started to get into cooking, I didn't really, I I, I don't know that some like switch went off in my head and I didn't actually associate food with calories or anything. And I just started to see it as a creative outlet, but as an all or nothing person, I became fixated on food after a year and a half of starting like my plant-based diet in high school, which I didn't tell anyone about for like six months because I was like afraid they were going to judge me type of a thing. So I started to become really fixated on food. I developed an eating disorder called orthorexia um, in my last year, or sorry, my first year of university um, because it was kind of like more sedentary and like wasn't really able to move my body. And then I was just like, oh, like 
I need to like eat healthier, you know? So I really started to like scan every single thing I was eating and it became so unhealthy. Like if I saw that I had like dates or something and I was like, oh, like I can't have any sugar. I can't have any oil or like it became so restrictive. Like looking back on it now, it's such like a blur because I think your brain tries to like protect you from those like really like dark memories of going through something like that. So yeah, I developed this orthorexia and it probably took over my life for like six to eight months, like the worst I had ever been. Um, yeah. And I just remember feeling really weak and like sad, but I didn't know why I was sad. I just thought that this was normal to feel that way. You know, after that, I ran into one of my mom's friends and she's like a family doctor. And she had said to one of my family members and she was like, you know, Emma looks like really sick. I didn't really, I didn't like the way I was looking at that point either, you know, because I think your confidence just goes so down and you're like, my clothes doesn't fit me like it once did. I don't have that confidence. And like, you're not a happy person because how can you be happy and be like practically starving? Right. So that's when I was like, okay, like I need to wake up. I have a problem there. There's something wrong here. I can't, you feel very numb almost. Um, and I remember going on a trip to England that like fall, um, of that year. And I just remember like enjoying myself there. Like I was eating everything I wanted to eat, like having the desserts when I went to like the vegan restaurants and like trying everything. So then when I got home, I realized I was like, I need to change this around because I'm tired of feeling cold, tired and exhausted all the time. So that's when my recovery stage, um, started to kick in. And it's been like a year and a half now. And I mean, obviously you still have days that you're like, oh, like, should I eat this or should I eat that? And I'm like, you know, if I start to question, I'm like, if it brings me joy, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> but that's where I am now. And I have a healthier relationship with myself and my exercise regimes. And I just try and do things out of pure enjoyment now, rather than putting my stress, like stress on my body and my mind. To think about like every meal because like, I would literally plan like every meal the night before I'd be like okay so what am I gonna have for breakfast lunch and dinner tomorrow you know and you don't want to go out for food and it's just like such a I would never wish anyone to go through those experiences thank you for sharing I just I know that sometimes when people listen to other people's stories that's when they can really see themselves in it or they can see someone they know having those tendencies and I was very similar to you in that it started at that young age when I just started working out because I wanted to be healthier. And then the compliments start coming in, you know, like, oh, you look great. Oh, like you're losing weight, like all this stuff. And it just feeds the fire. And then, yeah, like I'd go to lunch and half my friends would not even eat lunch. And I remember thinking like, wow, and here I am like eating because like you, I've always, I've always had an appetite. (laughs) all of that just accumulated over the years until same as you. I mean, mine got like pretty bad for a while, but it's just, it's such a crazy time. And, you know, looking back now, I just, it's like you said, like it's almost all a blur because it's such a trauma to put our bodies through. And I I still pay for the repercussions, you know, like my gut is very messed up and my hormones are out of whack. And like at first I had such like remorse over those lost years. And I mean, I still do, but I don't let it affect me as much anymore because I'm here. Like I I made it through the storm and I'm here and I'm going forward. And like you said, like there's still bad days in there every now and then, but 
it's just important to always think like, okay, well, why am I doing this? Or is it bringing me joy? And I don't know. Yeah. Like the biggest thing I found is always asking why, like, why am I doing this? Is it because I feel I have to, or because I want to, is it because I feel I should eat it? Or is it because I really want to? I think that's just like the most important part. And you shared a story the other day about, I believe it was a mother saying she needed to have your daughter, her daughter come to like your spin class. Was, was that it or? Yeah, for sure. So the other day I like ran into someone and they were like, yeah, like my daughter, she's going to like her graduation and she really wants to lose weight. And I was just like, that's not okay. Like setting your daughter up and accepting that mindset that she has and endorsing it that's not going to benefit her or her body because she's always going to look at her body as just like a shell for, I don't know. Like, I I just don't understand it. Like why are young girls feeling like they have to lose weight? It's so sad. Like for what, you know, it's not worth it and start appreciating what you have. Like you've already won the lottery. You're alive. You're breathing. If you're healthy, you, and you don't even have to be like, insanely healthy like as long as you don't have to go to the hospital like every month to get treatments or something like you've already won the lottery why are we picking apart ourselves so much you know you're never going to be happy if you have that mindset like you're going to say I'm going to be happy when I lose five pounds and then you lose those five pounds but then you're not happy once you lose those five pounds and then you go say 10 and then you know it's just such a negative attitude to have and your body's supposed to carry your heart and your legs And if you're able to, you know, get up in the morning and walk, you've already made it. Start appreciating what you have and don't criticize what you have been given. Just take care of what you have at the end of the day and don't be too harsh on yourself. Yeah, I love that. And like I said, just thank you for sharing because as we were saying the other day, sometimes this stuff can be overshared, but I love your story and I love your outlook on it. I think it's important. Like I said, that's how I first realized I had orthorexia was listening to someone share their story. So thank you for that. Yeah, I don't think you know, like it's a thing while you're going through. You're like, no, like this is just normal, right? And then you start to question. You're like, oh, I actually don't think this is normal. Like, why do I feel this way? No one else feels this way. Why am I always like angry at people, you know? Like you literally just feel this numbness. Like you're just a shell. You're barely like living as dark as that sounds. Um, that's how I felt. And like, I didn't get joy out of anything, you know, like things that I used to find I would get joy from. I just didn't want to do anymore. I guess I didn't have the energy to enjoy them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you, you hit it nail on. (laughs) So I guess this kind of ties into it, but another thing that you've been talking about more often and that I really align with is truly living with a purpose. And I don't mean that in that like everybody just by living, you are living a purpose. Some of us, like I and you, feel this desire to do more and to help more and to use our voice or our platform or our capabilities to help others. And so how did you have you always kind of been in this mindset or did something spark this sort of passion in you? Um, I would say it's always been in me. Like my mom really instilled giving back to other people when I was younger. Like my mom's literally the person that would like cut off her arm and give it to someone else, you know? And so growing up and even my grandparents are that way. Like my mom remembers growing up and someone came over to their house and they didn't have, you know, winter clothes. Like 
you know, jackets and stuff. And my grandfather made my um, mom and her brother take off their jackets and give them to the people who needed them because like, that's what you do. Right. Like, so I grew up with that mentality of paying it forward. And my mom's always like, I'll never be rich. Cause I always just like give things away. Um, <laughs> and she cares so much about other people. Like I, I genuinely don't think I've met someone so selfless. And I think, you know, we're very similar, my mom and I, and our attitudes towards life. And I think we've actually, this might sound really deep, but I think we're put on this earth to do something more than just like live, eat and breathe, you know, I think we're here to, you know, serve other people um, in any way that we can and help people. And I was really interested in becoming like a diplomat when I was in high school. So I would do like, you know, the AP European history course and like try and expand my knowledge and become like a more evolved teen Emma. But yeah, I think definitely it's always been in me to just try and help people. Um, I've done like char- some charitable work and whatnot. And I, I just think like that's, I'm not really motivated by money. I'm more so motivated by, um, you know, helping other people and making your impact. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, like you said earlier, it really is our childhood that imprints on us so much. And my grandpa, it's so funny, that story reminded me, he had a paper boy that, you know, was paid next to nothing, like not enough at all for the work he was doing, walking, delivering papers. And the one day he walked into my grandpa's business and he had sneakers on that were falling apart. Like they had duct tape wrapped all around them. They were soaking wet. It was in the dead of winter. You know, those sidewalks weren't shoveled or plowed. And this kid comes in and asks for more tape to tape up his already ruined sneakers. And so my grandpa says like, no, no, we're not giving you any tape. We're, we're going to get you boots. And so he sent a kid to our local feed and boot shop and called ahead and told them just to let the kid pick out any pair of boots he wanted and then let my grandpa know the price. And it was a day later and the boy had gone in and got these new boots and he wore them for years and he had never owned anything that nice. And hearing that story when I was a kid, ever since then, I've always been like, I want to give more than I want to receive. And it's such a like powerful feeling. And exactly what you said, like, we're all here to do something, I feel. And I feel that some of us are definitely like, I don't know, like there's just a spark, like something different that drives us to do more for the greater good. And so I love that. And would you mind sharing some of the like different charitable events? And I know you've kind of teamed up with a few groups and foundations as well. Yeah. So I recently did just like, sometimes I do sponsor posts, but not very often. I worked with um, Bridget and Bobby Sherman Foundation. So they help provide meals for um, kids in Ghana and I guess kind of enrich their lives through education, um, providing basic medical care and stuff. So I just kind of want to spread their message through that. And then my mom also would like, we've done like soup kitchens before around Christmas time and like growing up when we go like downtown um, area on Christmas Eve and my mom would always like give out massive, um, you know, amounts of like coffee or stuff like to the people on the street. So just seeing people do that, I think it like, it just prints like on, on your mind and you just like, it stays with you and you're like, okay, well, this is how we treat people. And that's really how my mom, um, I guess shaped me as a person and my values. And then 
also like through horseback riding, I've been an ambassador for Jess World International. Um, so they work with some um, developing countries to help provide kids with an education. So that's when I was like in high school, I worked with them. So that's just some of the things. Yeah. So recently you did an event through your work as well for a young girl with cancer. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So um, at my work, um, we did a little ride for this girl named Emma and she was diagnosed with kidney cancer when she was two and a half years old, I believe. Um, And then she was, I guess, cured of cancer in the September of 2018. And just when they thought she was all cured, they were celebrating, right? Because I mean, like that's a parent's worst nightmare, I think. And then she was re-diagnosed in like October. So she is currently receiving treatment at Sick Kids in Toronto, which is just like a specialty center for really sick kids um, in the country. So we just try and raise money for all the costs that are associated with the travel expenses and, you know, just your average like accommodations and food. So yeah, it's really unfortunate that she has to go through that, but she sent us like this really sweet video, like thanking every one of us. And it was hard to watch, but she definitely, they were just so surprised that so many people got together. And I think we raised like over $1,500 in one night for her. So that is amazing. And, um, there's a GoFundMe for her too, that I can link below, I believe. And that's just a really good cause. I've been trying to say this like on my Instagram too. Um, like each month I've decided in 2019 to find a small cause to donate to. And I've just like come to realize over the years that like literally any amount of money can help. And this is just kind of a value that I've started to live by. So just like once a month, instead of going out to eat $10, $15 that would be used elsewhere, I just save it and I donate it to a cause. And so February, I decided to donate to that Emma. So I will link the GoFundMe below. And for anyone listening who wants to possibly donate, even like $5 makes a difference in the long run. It's amazing what a little bit of money spread over time can do for a cause. And so I just love that you did that event and then that you shared it too, because I love stumbling upon charitable events like that, that I can help in my own way. So thank you for that. Yeah, and I thank you um, for sharing that and donating because it does make a big difference, even if it is $10, like you said. Last bit for sustainable fashion is, I forgot to mention this earlier, but we don't always have to like go out and buy the <laughs> new sustainable fashion clothing. And so another big thing of that is thrifting. And I don't know, is that something that you've done or that you have participated in at some point? Yeah, so we don't have, like, a lot of, like, we do have thrift stores around here, but they're not, like, the same, like, quality as you get, like, in L.A. or New York, because, like, you can go to L.A. or New York and get, like, really nice vintage, like, jeans and stuff. So I haven't done a lot of, like, Salvation Army thrift um, hauls. We do have a couple stores um, in the downtown area that they, like, buy clothes from New York that was already, like, used, and then they sell it in the store. So I have bought a few pieces through those type of, like, consignment stores. I don't know if, I guess I don't know if you guys have this, but like in the US, there's ThreadUp and it's basically just like the online thrift store. And it can be, if you put in your sizes and everything, it can be okay to use, but sometimes it gets a little bit like overwhelming because <laughs> they have so much. But that's another place I actually just got a box through them. And it's just second, some of it's brand new, some of it's slightly used. They tell you the condition. 
and they're they're pretty good prices too i mean because you can find name brands on there and everything yeah so that's important for sustainable fashion too you don't always have to buy new you can really embrace what you have too Mm -hmm, for sure celebrate what you have so we'll close up with some rapid fire questions kind of yeah they're not too rapid (laughs) where are a few of the rather interesting places that you've traveled to in your lifetime um hawaii italy and um, we'll try to think of another place i've traveled to this island um off the coast of England called Jersey. That was really interesting. So yeah, those three places. It's a channel island. That's so neat. I just want to travel all the time. <laughs> so I always like listening. But um, where is one place that you've yet to visit, but you want to? I'd love to go to India, like Delhi, dying to go somewhere in India. I, I don't know. I just, I think the food and the culture and everything about it is just so vibrant and exciting and it's like that hustle kind of vibe so I'm definitely want to travel there someday yeah no definitely and the culture is yeah like you said it just it's it's like a magical place that I think of (laughs) yeah for sure and and the food like you literally cannot forget the food like the curries and the oh my gosh somewhere where like the spices are really high quality and it'd be amazing Speaking of spices and food, what is your favorite meal at the moment? Always it will be curry, but I made this plantain um, lentil curry and that I have literally been devouring. Like it's my favorite thing. It's made with like coconut milk and turmeric and all those good spices. And it's just like the most amazing thing when it's like minus five degrees Celsius here to warm up with. I think curry will forever be one of my favorites. I've had it a couple times, but I really need to get on the train of it. I think that's another thing, like sidetrack, but for people that are like getting into the kitchen and cooking, I never realized until just like this past year how much the proper spices can change a dish. Like, oh my gosh. And you, you're you really the one that got me onto it. But like, I just invested in like a couple of little spices. It changes the flavor game so much. And I have a little selection of spices and I always feel so cool (laughs) in the kitchen when I'm like throwing all these spices together and the flavor combinations are amazing. So I have you to thank for that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I'm like, if you season your food, right? Like you literally will never get bored of vegetables. No. Yeah, definitely vegetables. (laughs) Okay. Well, who are some of your biggest inspirations in the cooking world? Anna Jones, uh, Jamie Oliver. I love Ella Mills from Deliciously Ella. Oh my gosh, who else? There's so many. Oh, I love Alex Hallie Hutchinson. She's um, the owner of the really popular cafe in London called 26 Greens. I think she's so inspiring. Um, just what she's done with a unique restaurant and it's really like taken off. But yeah, definitely those few. Okay, and if you could meet anyone, who would it be? Oh, this one's hard. Or you can pick like two people in separate categories. <laughs> I think I'd love to meet Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. Like, I think she's just such a strong woman. Like, she just literally is so inspiring. I would love to have a conversation with her, I think. And I would come out like being a different person, I think. I did a poll once on my Instagram. Just like, if you could meet anyone, who would it be? And it was funny. I had like two people say Michelle and one person say Barack Obama. I'd never really thought of that before. And then as soon as I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, I 
yeah, like same thing. I feel like it would be a life changing conversation. Yeah, I like why why not bring both of them, right? Like, yeah, both worlds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if you could yell one piece of advice from the rooftops for everyone to hear, what would it be? It would be, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you. I love that, and that applies to every aspect of life. You really, you summed it up there. I like that. Yeah, thank you. I'm like, doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you as long as you love yourself and you appreciate yourself because that's all you need. Can you share that quote you told me the other day about like working for yourself? Because I just love that. My sister told me that no one's going to work harder for you than you because you're the only one who cares about it as much as you do. So true. Everyone listening, let that sink in. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I absolutely loved talking with you and just connecting. I just, yeah, I feel such a connection with you. And I loved being able to share our conversation with people because I think we hit so many bases. And I think anyone listening will have a lot to take away from it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to come on to your podcast because this literally is my dream coming true. Like I've always wanted to be in a podcast and yeah, we just get along so well. So it's a great conversation for sure. And I hope people enjoy our little chat. (laughs) Thank you again to Emma for such an amazing conversation. We actually like ended up talking for another 30 minutes after I quit recording. We are just, I think we're so alike and We just really see the world in similar perspectives. And honestly, our friendship is just, I I really enjoy it. And I always like tell people that my favorite part about doing Instagram is meeting people that I literally would never have met before. If I didn't have this account, it's just, it's crazy to think about. And so I'm forever grateful that I have a friend way up in the Netherlands, such as Emma with her new granola that you can check out on her Instagram and her blog. And I'm just, I'm so proud of her. And I know I gushed about that in the beginning too, but still, it's just such an amazing thing to do. And it's really an expansion, you know, just watching people that you admire go out and pursue their dreams and do what really like drives them is just amazing. And to connect with her, you can find her on Instagram at the naked kitchen. I'll link it below, but it's the n-a-k-d kitchen so the naked kitchen and that's her blog too i'll link my stuff below as well you guys can let us let us know what you think of this maybe go comment on her last post or my last post or send us an email or a dm or leave a rate and review just let me know what you thought of this if you liked this kind of all over the place conversation that covered a lot of different bases i know i kind of liked it i think it gets more practical advice and info and insight into the world but let me know your thoughts and the giveaway is still going on you can share in your story leave a rate and review i'll enter your name and we'll say like mid-april i'll pick a winner to receive some goodies that i've collected over time from companies and brands and i'd rather do the giveaway through here than instagram i mean you guys are showing up time and time again to support me and i'd rather you guys get some of these goods then (laughs) you know, maybe someone random on Instagram. Either way, enjoy your day and I hope you enjoyed this one. Bye.